The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Geeks, and welcome to another amazing episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Tonight, we are doing something incredibly stupid, but also very in line with what I say on a regular basis about what movies should be rebooted and remade. Oftentimes, Hollywood looks at these movies that were very popular when they came out, and they try to remake them, reboot them, uh, reimagine them to try to score some points on nostalgia. And really, what I think is the best way to do Uh, This thing is to actually reboot or remake movies that had potential, but just didn't really live up to the full potential when they first came out. This movie uh, is a movie that definitely didn't live up to much of anything. Uh, I'm not sure how much potential it had, but we're going to find out on this episode of Smack My Pitch Up. And here to help me uh, from Spiderbite Studios is the Carltron. Hey, everybody. What's happening? I am uh, very excited to get you back on. It's been a little bit since you've been on any of the GY Network. It stuff. has been a minute, yeah. Yeah. and uh, Much like Lowdown Brown, I took my time. <laughs> you took your time. <laughs> so I'm excited to go. Well, <laughs> I think you're more excited about this than I am. Um, is this like a, a cult like following movie for you that it, you actually enjoy in a weird I way? I wouldn't say it's a cult following movie for me necessarily. It's one, it's one of those movies where it caught me right as I was getting into movies when I was younger and... I just took a liking to it. I mean, I liked, I liked him. I'm not going to say the name yet. I liked the actor when, when I was that age and always continued to, but this was one of those, like this guy made a movie cause he wanted to, and it was goofy and terribly funny in a terrible way. Like not intentional, not intentional. Well, I mean, part of it was, Some. but, but it was just campy enough and goofy enough. And I felt like it, I don't know. It resonated with me at that time in my life. And, and you were young enough to not have, really developed tastes exactly i had i had not developed taste nor uh the cynicism that would make me look at it and go what the hell (laughs) (laughs) we are talking of course the uh, you could say cult cult, is it it's it's listed as a cult classic it's a cult film i would say in some regard much like the room or birdemic Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we are talking the 1991 bruce willis fronted film hudson hawk if you're unfamiliar with this movie, you are not the only one. This movie tanked very hard in the box office. Oh, yeah. And there are a number of people that deeply enjoy this movie. I, This is one of those movies where I'm not sure if I deeply hate it or or just the absolute bonkers cartoonish level of like they took. I swear they just took the sound effects library from Looney Tunes yeah. and used it in this movie. Oh, they did in a couple of scenes. There's too. a couple of scenes where they're bonking heads together mm-hmm. and you hear the cartoon like bonk. Yeah, noise. It's leg- that is a legitimate statement because there's there's a part where there's a fight scene at the end where he's bouncing back and forth 
and they're using the ratchet sound like the the clickety clack sound of his back making that noise like that's, that's yeah yeah that's a fair statement so the one that got me is at the end of the movie when uh well yeah i'm gonna spoil this for you it came out yeah. in 91 hey if like, you haven't seen it spoiler alert yeah guess what you're not we're not there's not a what a twist in this well this would be the twist i guess yeah. but even this is just like they don't believe it in the scene. Yeah, he says, and when Duke, yeah, comes that's back, probably what happened. He, in the scene, he's like, "Yeah, I don't airbags," and you're like, "Sure, that's probably what happened." Yeah, in the, in the actual scene, they're not even really buying it. They're like, "That's good enough, I guess." Yeah, hey, we just didn't want to have a person be dead. Yeah, All right, so the, there we go. Happy ending. He shows up on a on a mule. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I I actually uh, I rewatched it as well. Just yeah, to, I mean, I. I Kind of had it running in the background and just kept my eye on it and everything. But yeah, that's all you really need with this movie. Uh, it is. I mean, once you've seen it, you you know where you're going with it. So, but again, I think it had potential too. So, and it, like I said, it struck me at a point in my life where it was like, movies are a thing and people can make them even if they're terrible. <laughs> this had the opportunity to be kind of the bridging area between like Austin Powers level goofy and like James Bond campy James Bond. Old, old, yeah. old school James Bond. It was something that could be right in the middle where it's definitely goofier than James Bond for oh, sure, yeah. but not quite as zany uh, yeah. and like one linery as uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. But again, it was a it was a, an actor's pipe dream, too. Yeah. Or wet dream. Or wet pipe dream. But I yeah, <laughs> just got to shoot higher. Like, <laughs> right. Well, you know, he was like I said, like I said before we started, this was more his uh, th- this was in along the lines of his moonlighting persona like what because i mean that's where he got his start so yeah that was his bread and butter that's what he was good at he did it for years on the show yeah and then you know he he was a little bit like that in die hard a few years before that so that was just kind of the path he was going down was the goofy action hero I'm, but i'm kind of i'm thing. just saying that like guillermo del toro wanted to see a lady fuck a fish and he won an oscar for it <laughs> So like fish man, fish man, fish I'm man. sorry. So if it's your like your passion project that people that get cars to fix up in their garage don't get a 1987 Toyota Tricell, you know, they get something a little bit. Some of them do. My <laughs> some friend. Of them some do. of them do. This is the car I got laid in. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to rebuild it. This is my, my dad got it new. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you got to figure too, this is the beginning of the nineties. We yeah. didn't have, you know, the only box office booms were big movies but this was also the time where people were starting to try new things true it was the beginning of the really like experimental indie film kind of uh go like 91 was the same year that pump up the volume came out and that that definitely got a lot more traction than exactly i mean it was it was also the the ramp up of when you know movies like reservoir dogs and stuff were getting Mm -hmm. ready to come out so people were throwing money at independent things and Bruce Willis was an established actor that this had is, this is like, like hey, Clerks era. As yeah, well, so know, it's so. like he had an idea. I mean, he co-wrote it and was gonna act in it. It's like, all right, we already have the name. Let's you know, let's throw money at him. And they threw sixty five million dollars to make this movie. And, and his it, pitch was like, what would happen if a lounge singer was a master thief that fought Rome? And honestly, like, looking back, I probably could have you probably could have cast uh, Richard Cheese in the role right. and, and done even better, but. I didn't even think about that when I thought about. No, there was one that I thought about later that I mm, it would be a little bit too true to the original if if uh, if you cast Seth MacFarlane in the role. Oh, geez, It'd yeah, be a little little too close. I, you know what? I he's referenced it in Family Guy numerous times. Oh, I'm sure so, he has. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm sure he's very familiar with. Hudson oh yeah, Hawk. Exactly. That's one of those things that just abstract references in Family Guy type movies. Oh yeah, well, and that's the thing. 
I, I've actually seen it on there and it's like, holy shit, like me and 12 other people got that damn reference. <laughs> That's part of the reason, the brilliance of it though, is yeah. that when you get it, you're like, fuck, yeah. wow, really? Did you guys get that? And what was that from? No, never mind. I'm not going to explain it. Like I made one episode of GUI, made a Captain Corelli's mandolin reference and, oh, and the panel was like, what the fuck? Really? I just know the name and what's, what's that? Nick Cage? Nicholas Cage. Yeah. yeah. In his serious role. Yeah. Wow. In his one serious, <laughs> one serious role. One serious role that didn't require him to die of alcoholism. Or jump out of a plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's get this moving here. All righty. Um, yeah. We're uh, going to be rebooting, remaking. Uh, what, what's your well, my path idea, to destruction? My here? idea was a sequel. And, and only because I'm so tired of the reboot, rebrand, redo. But I'm not completely opposed to it. So okay. I, it, the, the way I looked at it was like, well, you could do like... I always like continuing things so that you don't tarnish the original. Kind of like what they did with the, um, when they did this, when Abrams did the Star Trek reboot. I liked how they did it without soiling the original timeline kind sure. of thing. Not that this has the, <laughs> the history of Star Trek, but. So in this Hudson Hawk, yes. uh, Spock goes. <laughs> he goes, yeah, Spock comes through the wormhole back in time. and stops him from stealing the art. Yeah. No, so my idea was more of a. Uh, a, a, a continuation of the story using Hudson Hawk at, you know, 30 years later. Okay. And his son would be the one who. So is, it's probably a little focus. closer to like Creed than. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, by the Which way. Which they I, did a great job with. I was hesitant about Creed, not because I had any um, lack of faith in the director. Uh, the director's fantastic. But just, this is an iconic series exactly. of movies. How do you do that? And he 100% knocked it out of the park. Exactly. I mean, it's probably my second favorite Rocky movie is Creed. Right. Know? So. Yeah. Well, let's go into your basic idea for the story before okay. we get into the actual cast. So my original sequel idea is that uh, Hudson Hawk and Anna, that was uh, the Andy McDowell character, mm -hmm. uh, they live happily ever after. They have a kid and they live the life and he doesn't, uh, he's not a thief anymore, a cat burglar, which I still never understood. Cat burglar never made any sense to me, but... Um, so they Verbal go on. Cats? That sounds uh, yeah. horrifying. <laughs> Nobody wants them. They give them away. <laughs> so, um, but they um, they have a kid. The kid gets married, and they're kind of living the life. And then one day, uh, Hawk, Anna, and Hawk Junior. I haven't really given him a name yet. Is uh, Eddie Hawk? Uh, Hawk Junior. Because his name was like Eddie Hawkins. Uh, that was oh, Hudson yeah. Hawk. Yeah. Um, he had you know Junior. I, I I mean I would assume he would have a different name, but. Um, they get kidnapped and the villain would be the daughter of the Mayflowers. Okay. And she, but, but because the Mayflowers were fucking crazy and especially cause Sandra Bernhardt played one of them. <laughs> Holy shit. By the way, I, that her, was a, that was a role that choices, was choices. Yeah. Her choices in that movie were like, wow. Yeah. Wow, they, it made the acting in Cool World look subtle. I mean, <laughs> it was... No, Sandra Bernhardt is nothing if not subtle. Her acting was bigger than her mouth. It was which is hard to massive. do. Yeah, now, which is funny, because when we get to my casting for that, you'll, you'll, I, I hope you'll take a step back and go, yes. Okay, But um, right. So they get kidnapped, and um, the Mayflower's daughter ropes Hawk Jr. in to... Um, steal some like high-end computer components or whatever so that she can cripple the financial markets of the world because, I mean, there was no reason for... That's kind of what they were trying to do in the original. It's it's almost like a, a Star Wars 
cycle where it's a similar story, almost the same thing, but sure. different people. Yeah. 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 So, and she's, she wants to cripple the financial markets and everything with Bitcoin or some stupid shit. Sure. And, um, she ropes Hawk Jr. in to do it to save Hudson Hawk, mom and his wife. Okay. Or fiance or whatever, you know, whatever gives it the most edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that, then, then, you know, during the story, you discovered that it was, um, Minerva's daughter. Okay. And yeah. So and it's like, I have had a bone to pick with you. Yeah. All my life. Yeah. And then yeah. like, that makes the, the, like, you know, Hawk's the one who killed her parents. Yep. So she, you know, there's a lot of cutting away of her, like torturing, not torturing necessarily. Cause that We're takes it out of the, the campy, the, but the burns like finger, yes, like exactly like, stuff. I, I just need sharks with freaking laser beams, yeah, that right. kind of thing, like explaining everything to him for no reason. But you know, it's, it's Bruce Willis would still be Hudson Hawk and Andy McDowell would still be, he would be the Batman forever Batman of yeah. Hudson Hawk where he's just like old, the cane mm -hmm. <laughs> back in my day. Exactly. He used exactly. to do this and do a musical number during. Yeah. But see, so Hudson Hawk trained his kid to be as good of a thief as he was, if not better, blah, blah, blah. And that's what he does. And then that, that's what I'm, I'm going to just call him Hawk Jr. Cause it makes more sense. So Hawk Jr has a buddy, like a sidekick, kind of like the Danny Aiello character. Okay. Because at this point, I would assume Danny Aiello's dead, although I looked at IMDb, he's not. But I haven't seen him in anything in a goddamn forever. He's probably retired. I would say he's so. He's probably like, no, I got a nice I'm, bark I'm lounger. I'm just sitting uh, back on all that Leon money. <laughs> yeah, right. He's just waiting to, uh, he's just waiting to see the sequel from his comfortable couch. Exactly, exactly. So, but um, the, the update for that would be, you know, it wouldn't, ha the, his sidekick character wouldn't have uh, any relation to Danny Aiello. Sure. Yeah, I want to deviate a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's that's kind of the the overall premise. And okay. he ropes his buddy in to help him to save Hawk, his mom, and his fiance or, okay. or whatever. Okay. So yeah. So yeah, it's definitely kind of a Force Awakens thing. It's yeah. a slightly different plot, but it follows the same similar beats. similar beats. Yeah. yeah. And then okay. actually, as we go down, you'll see, I I stole some other beats just for, <laughs> okay just again for the campiness of it and to pay homage to the original because okay no matter how bad the movie did i still like it i don't know why um I, even my brother likes it and he's like 15 years younger than me he's like that's why we're brothers like he he even said i watch it it's a terrible buddy, movie but no, i if like that's it. if that's how you just determine you know siblinghood <laughs> is and uh, i have 12 other brothers because there's 12 other people in like the it. world total <laughs> that like this movie and they all watch that family guy episode. which i will say that if you haven't seen this movie i was able to watch it uh by going to sony's crackle app oh really uh that is available free it's a free app yeah you know, there's no service to pay yeah for anything i and, watched uh, a shitty rip of it on youtube nice at work. Uh, that's yeah. also a possibility as well but i know it's on uh, sony's crackle for yeah. free you just have to deal with annoying commercials popping in randomly oh that's cool it's not like during where the break would happen kind yeah. of thing it's just like and that's when i thought oh commercial break yeah <laughs> you'll never guess what i've hey welcome to hershey's yeah right yeah so which would be the proper commercial for yeah. hudson hawk <laughs> um which that's i didn't have enough to do all the candy bar soldiers mm. <laughs> in this but i do have an idea for at least my zany on uh what to do with that which yeah. is a pretty easy choice for that one but. so uh, you and i at least thought similarly on that because i did something okay along the same lines so but my basic idea is i'm doing a reboot i'm yeah. uh or a uh re imagining yeah. uh, barely yeah. <laughs> if, if at all um, the really, first one didn't have much imagination to begin with so you can't reimagining it is... you can't have this like the 
movie version of Pee-wee's Big Adventure at the end of Pee-wee's Big Adventure where it's super serious on something that's not. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to do where this is like a Lars von Trier. Uh, <laughs> well, I thought about a gritty version of it. I, I, but see, then that, then it just turns into fucking born identity. Yeah. So, well, yeah, with with a lot of singing. <laughs> yeah, a lot of singing. <laughs> born identity, the musical. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I mean, I've watched worse. So <laughs> True. But I wanted something that kind of still held some level of the spirit of the movie, of it being kind of whimsical and yeah. weird, um, but also have a little bit more of a, I don't know, auteur's hand at it, <laughs> uh, which, which is funny to say because, you know, they've got really good actors in it. And uh, the director, uh, Michael Lehman is the original director who did a um, bunch of different movies that of note, let me look here, he did uh, Heathers. Yeah, and he did Airheads. Too. He did Airheads as well. Yeah. And if you look at those... It's a similar vein of campiness versus, I don't want to say reality, well, it's but it's a like, heightened reality. Yeah, kind of thing. It's, yeah. A, it's a heightened reality. And it, and it, it, it's campiness is what made it endearing. But what's funny about that is after Airheads, it's basically TV shows. Like he doesn't do. Yeah, he became basically the hitman of HBO where yeah. he do all their TV shows. Yeah, kind of like, or, uh, what's his name from Bill and Ted? He didn't really act much after that. But yeah, he, he directed a whole bunch of TV shows. A whole shows. lot of TV shows. Yeah, that's that's where you go. You pull the uh, the Frakes from uh, Star Trek. And oh yeah, direct. Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. Yep. But I did want to do something kind of uh, storyline wise, similar in spirit. But I wanted something uh, slightly different at least. Uh, so it's not the same exact story. Yeah. And I thought instead of the alchemy uh, Rubik's cube thing that Leonardo da Vinci made. Yeah. This completely made up thing yeah. that doesn't exist, uh, and it's just a bizarre little thing. I thought of maybe something actually brought up in history that uh, used in a modern tone. So I thought if they were looking for Archimedes's death ray, okay, um, but not in the weird like shoot buildings kind of thing. So much as that um, there was uh, some uh, specific prisms that were used in the death ray that were able to shoot a like very fine ray of light in one direction, like basically forever. And the technology what about shooting a very fine line of laser beam light at one direction at that, the band one direction. That's actually the <laughs> plot that I was aiming for. Uh, aiming for. Uh, it's more that this was going to be used as technology to shoot satellites out of the oh, sky. Okay. So you to do a modern take on a classic weapon. I gotcha. Thing. I gotcha. So, gotcha. So uh, this is a way to, disrupt telecommunications throughout the world, causing a lot of mass chaos around the world by the Mayflowers. And also it's technology that the U.S. military would love to have their hands on as well. Thus the Which, CIA, yeah. not so much into... The MTVIA? The MTV, Jesus Christ, yes. That was a... that When I, when I heard that on there, I was like, Jesus, that dates this thing. A lot. Like, anybody watch that now, was, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> what is my... 16 and pregnant have to do with <laughs> it actually took me a minute to see what they were doing there and I went, all right 1991 okay yeah, yeah exactly. gotcha when music was music yeah so basically uh you know there's people fighting over who's going to get the weapon as opposed to trying to stop the mayflowers it's okay. like yeah, stop them but also we want it too yeah so, yeah i could get behind that and uh, and that could work for the sequel idea too yeah absolutely it's yeah. kind of actually, it actually not too far off yeah because it, it yeah because mine was you know, I was like, well, what would what would she want to do to continue her pal? Like, she's not going to try and make gold. Like, yeah. that, who gives a shit? Like, that's you know, it didn't dumb. work last time. And plus, Let's all that this... shit blew up. Like, yeah, you know, and melted her mom. So, uh, <laughs> so that was like, I thought about the same thing, and then I was like, maybe they could, 
maybe she could be like trying to to corner the market on Bitcoin. I was like, well, that would have been great two years ago when that was a thing. But <laughs> this is this is a uh, Hudson Hawk meets Black Hat <laughs> yeah. or the Fifth Estate Layer Cake Layer Cake. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I but I like that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the similar beats where they're going and and you know checking out. Stealing you know, art. Stealing and... art and the whole thing because there's map and blah, yeah, blah, blah. You I know, got very, you. very national treasure. I was just going to say that. Jones very national kinda, treasure. Kind of tone. But uh, what I really wanted is to, instead of just going like weird zany with it, but also it felt like the plot was trying to continue, but it had to pause every few minutes for Bruce Willis to just do a thing. Um, where like, you know, to do a thing. He just like falls in the seat next to Andy McDowell and they're like, okay, now, you know, wink at her. He's like, no, I want chicken feathers. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh Ch yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> chicken feathers. Which is funny. Cause if you watch the original trailer for that, he falls into the seat and I think they felt the need to hold back on the reveal of the feathers in <laughs> the trailer. The Cause they were like, that's cow. the big, exactly. That's the, that's the big reveal. We'll have him fall in the seat. Cause it looks actiony, but let's not do the feather thing in the trailer. Cause that'll give too much away. Jesus <laughs> Cause I watched it going, God, what did they do to this trailer? That, no wonder it only made $17 million yeah, globally. I, I watched <laughs> this movie halfway through my fingers. Cause I just couldn't, I could not, I literally could not even. Well, I'm glad that you allowed me to yes. pipe dream this and reboot it. I sequel it. I think that with all the complaining that has happened about Bruce Willis on uh, on the cop movie that Kevin Smith directed. Oh, God. Yeah. I have out. a feeling that uh, Lehman, the director on this, probably had his hands full with because, you know, Bruce Willis co-wrote well, this. Yeah, but I don't think he was I don't think he was as big of a prima donna back then like he was getting there i'm sure yeah but there's scenes that it's definitely like bruce willis is like no i'm gonna do a thing it's like yeah, actually yeah gonna, it's probably no, true i'm gonna i'm gonna do a thing look i'm the writer man i'm, I'm gonna, gonna do, do it, it this way yeah I'm i can see that so now we're following the script i can yeah. see yeah, that yeah absolutely yeah um <laughs> so i wanted to get a little bit of that zany we kind of pull it back a little bit for my serious and then just on my on my funny go the total other direction and yeah. just just really embrace the fucking cartoon that is hudson hawk are you talking like Austin Powers or worse? Uh, slightly different. A little bit more like Austin Powers is like zany. Yeah. And I wanted to do more just like fucking weird, like I got cartoon. Like a living Dolly film. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just a little bit. You'll, you'll know exactly what kind of tone I'm looking for when I do the, uh, the directors here. So gotcha. Okay. So well, would you like me to go first? Yeah. That, then? If you, if you would want to. All right. Well, so for directors, I thought about, movies along the same lines and I was trying to decipher who would be able to bring the spirit of the original and the campiness of it but still I mean we're talking a modern audience now we're talking 2019 ideally this would come out in 2020 but um <laughs> uh, I'm just telling the people whoever, in Hollywood whoever has the rights yeah uh, go ahead and uh, give me a up. call I'm uh, no so my idea for that was um I don't even know how to say his name but the guy who directed Red and R.I.P.D. His name's Robert Schmidtke, something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. So, like, Red had that same, like, energy action-y thing, but there was a lot of humor in it, and it was also Bruce Willis. Okay. So I know he could direct him. Sure. <laughs> you know? Because he has before. If he, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, it's, Bruce Willis would have a minor, a much more minor role in sure. this movie, but it would be, to me, an updated version of... Like the director would be an updated version of the original director, somebody who's doing a little more 
Because I mean, I thought R.I.P.D. was pretty good, <laughs> and and the actors that he was using in that were not necessarily like solid comedic act. Well, Ryan Reynolds, was, Ryan but, Reynolds, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jeff but, Bridges, but Bridges, the dude, the dude, yeah. But his, but that was a much more. That's a much more subtle, sure, comedy than what I'm talking about. Because like with it, to do this sequel idea more than the reboot, the sequel idea would meet would need a more modern look or a more modern feel to it than okay. than what uh, the original one was, obviously. Unless, of course, you do my other idea, which would be to just make it as if you were making it in the early 90s and, and stranger things it with the 90s. Yeah, you know? I thought about that, too. Yeah. But... So that was my idea for, for the director for the funny. Okay. Um, the, but then if you wanted to go a little more gritty with it, Matthew Vaughn. I thought about Matthew Vaughn. I didn't end up going to Matthew Vaughn, but I absolutely understand why. Because yeah. that's a good mix of action and the fun. The first and... time I saw Kingsman... I was completely taken aback by the church scene. Like the church. Oh, the church scene is probably one away. of the best things I've ever seen in cinema. And the choreography is absolutely astounding in that scene. It feels really kinetic. Exactly. And, I mean, exactly. And that was the thing. Like if, if you were going to go a more serious route with this, I mean, even with, even if you do like the campy goofy, you know, they sing songs to time themselves on stealing shit. He, he had enough humor in Kingsman and stuff like that, that I feel like he could, pull off the dramatic potential that that not dramatic potential but the 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 more well, I mean guys dramatic is the best way to say it but the the more serious tone that the storyline required I mean cuz like people do serious things and make jokes all the time we do that all the time sure that's kind of how I live my life but um somebody like Matthew Vaughn could could capture the campiness in the background of the overall story you the know story takes yeah. precedent over Correct. which i feel is kind of what failed with hudson hawk yeah is that the the campiness took precedent the campiness was like where the plot at some point is like i don't even know what's fucking happening yeah anymore. like just like the airbags can you fucking believe it like really like the, okay like you just you wrote that off at the end like somebody was like we didn't want to see danny aiello dead well also <laughs> the thing that actually bothered me with hudson hawk is like he steals the book right that has like all the translations and everything and like the candy candy bar brigade is at the next table over and he could literally just be like, sup and hand it over. And then he's done. Yeah. Like he's done with the whole thing, but instead he's like keeping it on his date and then he brings it back to her place. And yeah. it's like, why, why do you still have it? Yeah. And why are they like staking out in, in her house? Like, why are they still like, I mean, when he's ready, Yeah. when he's ready exactly. to hand this over, then it's, fun. it was, it was more of a, it was the only way to make the story continue. Yeah. Basically <laughs> it's like, I don't, he just, I forgets. I don't know. <laughs> so that, so those are my takes for that. Okay. For the director. My uh, directors, I, I bounced back and forth between a few choices here, but yeah. uh, the zany at first, I was thinking a uh, David Wayne uh, production would be really fun from wet hot American summer. Do just like oh. full zany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's almost too much. Yeah. Uh, even for <laughs> Hudson Hawk, which is a lot because it, I feel like I never thought I'd hear that phrase. That's too much. Even for Hudson Hawk. <laughs> well, I mean, role models, it was a lot more, uh, of a like full on storyline. Whereas, yeah. what out American Summer at one point just a fucking meteor shows up and they're like, I don't know, it's a meteor. There's a meteor now uh, that we got to deal with. Yeah, it's just yeah, all over the map. Uh, and I love David Wayne. I think I've put him in stuff before, but I thought uh, somebody that I haven't really talked about a lot as far as zany directors that has done a remake before has his own troop of people that he works with on a regular basis and then incorporates other actors in a lot more regularly. Um, once he starts working with them, is uh, Jay Shandasekar. Oh, yeah. The super director, Troopers. All, this, all the Super Troopers yeah. and Club Dread. I, when you started saying DFS. that, I was like, you know what? I, I 
that that has a special place in my heart and i didn't even consider that yeah but i can i mean the and that i think i didn't consider it because of the um of the dukes of hazard reboot and that's that's kind of what i was thinking with the reboot is that that wasn't a great reboot yeah uh, but also it's like you're playing with toys from the 1970s that you don't even really have a full understanding of yeah so much but with hudson hawk it's zany bizarre humor that I I think fits to a certain degree. And it's also like they're of the age where they would have probably have been like in college or at least in high school when high uh, as shit, high as shit watching Hudson Hawk. (laughs) So I'm sure some of the crew is very familiar with Hudson Hawk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I figured that that's a a great place to start for the funny. Yeah. And I think we talked about this before starting is that, even though this is my zany weird take on it, yeah. I still think it might work. Like, oh, yeah. It's not, it's not a this definitely won't work thing that we do sometimes. Like when I got John Waters to direct a He-Man movie. Uh, <laughs> it'd be amazing, but I don't think it would ever actually happen. Wouldn't that be She-Man? No. It, <laughs> no, I yeah, I can see that. I mean, I see... Here's the thing. When you when you were going to remake something or reboot it or anything like that, when it's this ridiculous, when the movie the original movie is this ridiculous, you almost can't go wrong. If you put good yeah. good directors and good actors in an absolutely absurd movie, yeah, you you're still gonna get like I mean that's kind of what this was for the '90s. If this movie came out now, it would almost do better now than then. But that movie's already been created. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. if Bruce Willis was like, "Hey, I want to make this movie," and it's like, "Well, it's fucking Bruce Willis. We're gonna totally do that." Yeah, like, why not? And it's like, this is ridiculous, and people are like, "I'm gonna go see it because it's ridiculous." I mean. That's, I mean, we I mean, crowdfunded Nicholas Super Cage has made an entire career on that concept exactly, alone. So. Exactly. So it's like, let's see what kind of weird shit he's going to do in this movie. Because <laughs> it mimics his real life. Yeah. So I totally can see that. But yeah, that's that's a good, uh, that's a good goofy take or funny take on that. And uh, my serious take, and this one I could not remember if I've used him recently or not, or if I just considered him for directing before. But I feel like this is a really good match. It's a predominantly a writer that has only directed like five or six films, but all the films that he's done have had some level of notoriety. Some of them are bigger, like big, action-y, fun movies. Some are much smaller. And uh, the smaller ones are actually the ones that I really appreciate more by this this uh, this director and writer. He uh, wrote Lethal Weapon. Um, he was- The in, show or the movie? The movie, <laughs> Lethal Weapon. Sorry. He was in the original Predator movie. Oh, okay. uh, as an actor, um, he wrote uh, he wrote and directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, directed oh, Iron Man three. I got gotcha. you, uh, Shane Black. Yeah, I feel like he's got a good. Uh, the Nice Guys is one of his newer ones that has uh, Ryan Gosling and, and uh, uh, Russell Crowe. Crow, yeah, and some of the choices made in that movie are so unbelievably fun. Without taking away the, uh, I did not think that Crow was going to pull that off. That's one of those where I saw the trailer and I'm like, really? They decided to put him in a role where it's kind of comedic. Yeah, it's comedic and, and he's like a he's a drunk he's a badass and, and, yeah. but it's still supposed to be I was actually I actually oh, like no, that he's movie. Not the drunk Ryan Gosling is the drunk in that one. I think. Uh yeah. Well, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I when I saw the trailer for that I was like, "Yeah." But then I saw nailed it. it. Fucking nailed it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. That's a, yeah, I like that. That's a good one. I, and again, that's along the same lines as Matthew Vaughn. Like it's It's very much in the same kind of he, thought process. You, you it it, it they stay true to the action but they're not opposed to letting some of the humor in because just like horror movies, when there's, there's humor in horror movies, people are like, why do you mix those? Cause you have to have a tension release. You got to build and release, sure. build and release. 
and action movies are no different than that. Like if you just, it's constant action the whole time you pucker your butthole the whole time. You never relax. Yeah. <laughs> like if there's no tension release and it's just tension the entire time, you end up with hereditary. Yeah. Or which, cramping. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, I loved that movie deeply, but fuck, I was like broken, emotionally exhausted. Yeah, it's at the exhausting. End of that film. And that's, yeah. that is exactly the way that you have to approach it. Like when you, when you do something that's nothing but pure tension the entire time, you're exhausted at the end of it. And it, it can be a great movie. There's tons of movies that are like that. But those are movies you can't, like, go back to over and over again. Hudson Hawk, I'll go back to and watch just because it's like, oh, shit, I slip, flip past TBS and it's on. Yeah. No idea why, but it's there. And I'll just, like, wa watch it because there's a, I mean, again, it's this the, is it's extreme. It's the same vein as, like, Waterworld or the Super Mario Brothers movie where they're not good movies at all. They are not. But... If Waterworld is on and there's nothing else on that to watch and I'm in the middle of, you know, doing something on my laptop yeah. or, or doing something else, folding laundry. And for, and for that reason, it's more nostalgia than anything sure. because it harkens back to a time when movies could suck and, <laughs> and there weren't people online letting you know it sucks. You people, had to discover it on your own. People had lower expectations <laughs> for everything in their lives. Exactly. It was the 90s. <laughs> Bands like Fastball <laughs> had careers. Well, and you know what? It, it's funny. Um... I didn't think about this until just now, but the only other thing recently in recent memory that I can think of that's similar to where you're like, the people who make this, you, I, I say respect in the loosest sense of the word, but like, um, Trey and Matt Parker. I thought about them a little bit too, but Trey Parker and Trey Parker. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I've had a couple of drinks. That's um, but basketball is an absolutely horrible movie, but I will watch it anytime it's on. Just like Hudson Hawk. To me, it's the same kind of... You know what's funny? Let me double check, but Michael Lehman might be the director of Basketball. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, let me double check here, but I'm pretty sure he was the director but of again, Basketball. So that's like, well, I guess you have a, yeah. a thing you go for. And that's the, th that's the thing, is you, if you... It, the I mean, I, and not even along the same vein. If we were to reboot something like Hudson Hawk, it doesn't fall, it wouldn't fall into the same category nowadays as something like basketball. But you see what I'm saying? Like basketball is one of those things where it's like, it's so campy and goofy and ridiculous that you can't help but like it for that purpose alone. Sure. You know, I don't know. Basketball is still has a much fonder place in my heart than Hudson Hawk for sure. <laughs> well, you are younger than I am. So <laughs> only about a couple years. Yeah, well. But, so, um, yeah, I think we should get into the casting a little bit okay. here. Um, so, okay. And again, this is one of those things where between the sequel and the reboot, like I couldn't make a decision on what I wanted to talk about, but. Oh, uh, no, I ran across basketball when I was looking for directors. It's David Zucker who did airplane and naked gun and all those movies that really that did uh basketball. Wow. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think they would pull from, uh, an older director like that. But, yeah. But yeah. they, they did exactly that. All so. right, well, there you go. Yep. All right, so we'll get right into it then. Then um, for my Eddie Hawk Jr., Eddie Hawkins Jr., um, for my funny choice, and this is one of those where it's like, you know, I, I think he could pull it off because of the zaniness of it. And again, maybe it's because I'm hearkening back to the, the 80s, 90s mentality, but I think Tom Holland would be a good... Hawk Jr. Hawk Jr., yeah. Yeah, See, not a good Hudson Hawk re reboot. No, no. And but, that's what I'm thinking is that, yeah, you have enough of a different kind of character profile of him, and he's also a very uh, athletic exactly, actor. Exactly, exactly. And that, I mean, that was what was required for, you know, the stealing of art back then. But, yeah. but you know, if he's going to be Hudson Hawk's kid, 
who's also an art thief and all of the other stuff, he would have to be athletic. And But he would also have to have that campy, goofy. And I feel like Tom Holland has kind of got that. Spider-Man, obviously, is his is the one everybody references for that. But sure. it's, you know, it would be the campiness and the goofiness without the web slinging. Like, <laughs> There'd be one scene where he's like, oh, wait, no, wrong Oh, movie. shit, wrong movie, yeah. And honestly, in a Hudson Hawk Yeah, that would movie, probably play that perfectly would, well. Very Deadpool-y. Absolutely. Yeah. Very fourth wall broken. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. But okay. that, that was my funny version of it. Um, now, if I did a reboot of it, a funny version of it, and you're going to hate me for this because I don't know what your feelings on Looper is, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be... Oh, I love Looper. Yeah. Would, yeah. That would be my take. But I think Levitt has, like with the... Was it Silent Night? first night Christmas movie whatever he did oh he had enough comedic chops in that I mean not to mention the fact Third Rock from the Sun for crying out loud yeah but I feel like um, Third Rock from the Sun would have been Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Moonlighting like okay even though he was a littler kid but that to me he would he would be able to pull off um, the reboot of being and that's what's funny is it would be him again it would be him as a younger Bruce Willis or as Bruce Willis's character, you know what I'm saying? Jeez. In a reboot. So So he's already done that's even all me- the that's research. even more meta. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was my idea for that. Okay. For the funny ones. So Okay. I am looking at for Hudson Hawk. I am deeply obsessed with the TV series right now. Okay. And one of the actors is this is not exactly the role that you would expect from the way that he plays the character that he's become known for. But I think with Jay uh Shana Sekar as the director. It's going to give this actor room to really kind of branch out a little bit from how he's known with his role. And I really think that this actor needs to have the ability to like be expressed a little bit more is uh, Jared Kiso. And if you're not familiar, he plays the main character Wade in Letterkenny. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Letterkenny, <laughs> it's a show. It's a basically, it's a Canadian show. Mm. That they did a couple seasons and it went over so big in Canada that Hulu's like, here's a bunch of money make us some seasons. And in like two or three years, they've come out with seven seasons. Jesus show. Christ. They've just been plowing them out. Um, most of my friends are obsessed with Letterkenny now. I've never even heard of it. It's this rapid I'm, fire. I'm old like, and disconnected. It's this rapid fire, riftastic Canadian show about the Hicks, uh, who are, uh, Wade is the lead Hick. Yeah. In this town called Letterkenny, that has 5,000 people in Canada. Yeah. And it's not like Trailer Park Boys where the Hicks are like dumbasses that do dumb shit. They're actually the ones that are like, relatively morally like legit and like are pretty progressive and understanding and they're just farmers that are just doing their shit yeah and then there's the skids that are like the weird drug addict like break dancing like eyeliner wearing weirdos the freaks um and then there's the hockey players that are basically just surfer bros but hockey players canada and because Canada, <laughs> because Canada, and it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And Wade, the main character, he's very soft spoken. Like he doesn't say a lot, but when he does, his inflections are fucking brilliant. Uh, even his mannerisms, it's very, very clear that the actor has thought through every little tiny twist and turn of this character. That his his sudden jerky motion sometimes, his very uh, squinty kind of way that he approaches like certain lines. It's very very nuanced acting that I to me says that this actor has a lot more maneuverability than the character that he's playing. As much as I love Wade in Letterkenny, I want to see what else this kid can do. Yeah. And Jason Shansekar, who under, really understands the beats of comedy and lets the, the actors breathe in the role. Yeah. Let some kind of discover <laughs> except for Johnny Knoxville, which well, there's for, no breathing in that. <laughs> uh, Johnny Knoxville isn't an actor. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's not done badly for a not actor. But yeah. 
Um, he's, he's yeah, I got you. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I'm really interested to see what uh, Jared Kiso could do. No, well, let me ask you this before we continue with, I mean, because I've got the names listed, but in my mind, when when a reboot or sequel would be done, these these actors would be late 20s, early 30s. Sure. Or at least playing characters that were late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. So is is that where you were going with it? Yep, is that right how old that is? is? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was also worried, like, the movie came out in 91, which was like 30 plus years ago, so or almost 30 years ago, so... Um, my mentality on it was if they had kids for the sequel, the kids would be almost 30 years old or sure. give or take. But if it was a reboot, then, I mean, that was one of the things that never made sense to me in Hudson Hawk was how old was Danny Aiello's character supposed to be? And Hudson Hawk was supposed to have been getting out of a 10 year prison stint. But yeah, looking at Bruce Willis now and you're like, he's supposed to have retired from cat burglary and Hudson Hawk. I'm like, Dude, you've made been making movies for the past thirty years. How are you trying to retire in the nineties? Like, yeah, right. you know. So I never, I wasn't hundred percent sure on where we would go with um the the ages of the characters. So I was thinking, I left that kind of open to interpretation. Yeah, I, I was thinking anywhere between like uh like late twenties to like maybe early forties, yeah. like just like about a, 10 a big year, a big gap, yeah, ten year area. Okay, good. So I, we're not off the we're not off no. on uh, on that. I wanted to give a big thanks to all our listeners. We are approaching our four-year anniversary of Geeks Under the Influence. And over the past year, we've changed Geeks Under the Influence, the podcast, into a full-on network. And coming April 7th at the Dark Room, 2818 West Broad Street, Suite B, it's an upstairs suite, we are unleashing our eighth podcast on the network. That's right. You can come out and check out Booze Clues, an investigation into the world's most spirited headlines, on April 7th, doors are at 7, show starts at 8, till about 9, 9.15, and it's free. So if you are 21 and up, come on out, 2818 West Broad Street, Suite B in Richmond, Virginia, for a live recording of Booze Clues, the inaugural episode, the first episode, and uh, become part of history here at the Geeks of the Influence Network. We'll see you there. Have you always wanted to see Geeks of the Influence as we record, will you get your chance to not only check out Geeks Under the Influence, but smack my pitch up, Beautiful Disasters, and Geek Father as well. On May 31st through June 2nd in Richmond, Virginia, at the Richmond Convention Center, we're bringing the pain with four Geeks Under the Influence Network shows doing live recordings during GalaxyCon. The newest convention to grace Richmond, Virginia, from May 31st to June 2nd, keep an eye out at GUIPodcast.com for more information and our social media as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll uh, keep you posted on everything going on there. Go ahead and hit up our event for GalaxyCon on Facebook to get information as soon as it comes out. Join us or die at GalaxyCon. So, so my uh, actual take, the one that I think would actually work, the Shane Black uh, joint. Joint. Yes, Shane Black joint. Um, I figured because he did so well in The Nice Guys and he actually is surprisingly good in a comedic role, has really good comedic timing. Also, a great dancer, as we know from La La Land. Uh, Ryan Gosling is charming as shit. Yeah. And I, no, I did. I did consider him in uh, the, my own. So I, I see where you're going. Yeah. I think that with with Shane Black being the director, I think Ryan Gosling would be the the charmer kind of not taking his role as a master thief very seriously at all the entire time and just doing it kind of in that in that I, I don't really give a shit. But when shit hits the fan, I'm actually good at this. Yeah. You know, kind of kind I of got you. Yeah, I can see so. that. I can see that. We'll see. And my what's funny is my my take for the uh, serious, more serious role 
in the sequel or the reboot would be whether he played Junior or Hudson Hawk himself is Nicholas Holt. Okay. Uh, yeah, shiny and chrome. Shiny and chrome. Yeah. Who's also Beast in X Men First X-Men, Class? Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, he and he's he's in that age range, but he could he could play older. But I mean, he could. If you look at Hudson Hawk, Bruce Willis looks young as shit. But that's comparatively to now. Sure. But if you look at if you look at Holt, he could. I, I feel like in a in a grittier version of it, he could still have the because I mean there were there were a couple of comedic uh, bumps in the X Men as sure. soon as Beast, but it was supposed to be serious. You know, the sure. whole role was supposed to be. But he has that. He also has that like streamlined look of you know he's a fit dude. He could he could mm-hmm. be a cat burglar that kind of thing. I think he could pull that off. Plus, I'd like like you said, I'd like to see what else he can do because he's kind of been. Uh, he he's done dramatically different roles, and this would be another dramatically different role. Because, sure, no, well, not dramatic, a comedically different yes. role. But I think, like, I- even in a in a more serious version of this, he could pull off either Hawk Senior or Hawk Junior. Yeah, and he's a good enough actor that I'm sure he would put the time in. Well, and even and and again, he's it's one of those things where you haven't seen him in a super dramatic role. I mean, he was Beast. That's not very dramatic. Yeah, and he was a you know one of the Chrome. The War Boys. Yeah, War Boys. Yeah. So he, um, he, and those are the only two things I can think of off the top of my head, but I know he's done other stuff, but those are the ones that jump out the most. So if he was given some latitude with, you know, Vaughn directing, just like um, Eggert and Kingsman, he, sure. he gave him a lot of, like, openness to explore who he was as a as a character. Sure. So I, th- I think that would be, I think that would pull off pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. Now, uh, the next one that I have is uh, Tommy Five Tone. Weirdest fucking name <laughs> fucking, in IMDb. Uh, that was played by Danny Aiello in the original. Yep. And so, vaguely mob-associated, borrowed. I, I think that's just because of guy. Danny Aiello. Like, I don't it's know if pro- he knows how to play anything else. I don't know. <laughs> the fact that within the first few minutes of this film, the mobsters come in and are get, giving uh, Hudson Hawk an offer he can't refuse. Yeah. And Danny Aiello at one point is just like, I'm sick of your shit and busts a, a like a unopened bottle of wine over a mobster's head. <laughs> and the response by the other two mobsters are like, eh, like that they're <laughs> they're not concerned with like the attempted murder uh-huh. of like a sibling yeah. <laughs> that's in the mob. Absolutely. And Danny Aiello is like, ah, whatever. You know, it's just not even addressed the rest of the movie that he tried to murder like right in front of a, a crowd of this full bar, this full bar of people that he like bashes a bottle open over this mobster's head, not even fucking addressed 10 seconds later. Yeah. It, it, that's again, that's one of those, the parts of the movie where it's like the things that you would normally focus on in a script. Nah, we're like, just gonna, I don't know. Airbags. We're just going to, yeah, we're just going to overlook that whole thing. I almost feel like Danny Aiello was shoehorned into it sometimes. Like, it was like, you know, he can't just talk to himself. He needs a sidekick. Well, what are we going to do about this scene? I don't know. We'll just blow past it once it's filmed. <laughs> what happened? You were in a car with a literal bomb in it that exploded and then flew off a cliff and crashed. Ah, airbags. Airbags and uh, sprinklers. Uh, I was in the I was in the back seat. <laughs> I was fine. I'm all right. I'm <laughs> good. Fuck. That's probably what happened. <laughs> so who was your take for the funny replacement of Tommy Five Tone? Uh, I went with a actor that you've seen in some Broken Lizard stuff before. MC Ganey. If you are unfamiliar, he was the sheriff guy in uh, Dukes of Hazard. He was the priest at the beginning of Beer Fest that was doing the uh, the quarters game in the basement at okay. the beginning of Beer Fest. Okay. He's this scraggly older dude. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, he's got like this nice like 
kind of bassy, raspy voice kind of thing. And I could see him as a, as a, like a formerly tough guy that's like mellowed out in his years as he got older, because he's just like gotten a little soft in his age. And he's still like good, good with the, uh, with the, the master thief guy, yeah. young up and up and coming grunt that he probably like helped out back in the day, get a stock. And that's know? one of the funny things about with Danny Aiello was he's supposed to be like his, his second, like, you know, Oh, he helps me do these things. But when you watch the movie, like Danny Aiello just looks way older than Bruce Willis, oh, even though they're older. not, even though they're not, I don't, I mean, they're probably what, five, 10 years apart. Maybe. What that. made them become friends in the first place? And also Danny Aiello's not good at helping. No. Like he's like, I don't know. We rewind the, t- like turn off the power and then we rewind the tapes yeah. and then it's fine. And then the, didn't even look at the tapes to see the, the two tapes. guys walking. The, the guys see yeah. themselves walking. Um, <laughs> Again, campy, not well-written, but no. still. It could be done better. Um, I went way off the rails when it comes to the funny version okay. of the of the reboot with Ricky Gervais. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, I, it, oh, British. Exactly. Uh, well, I mean, but it would be him not doing a British accent. Ju- oh, exactly. Oh, no. To, I don't to, know. If to I... maintain the campiness, it'd be his of his He's version all... of an American accent. He is already angry enough. I know. Seeing the level of anger he would achieve on having to do an American accent for an <laughs> entire movie. It. That's would why be I did it. Terrifying. That was the best like, part. Borderline horror movie. Terrifying. That was why I did it. It was the best. That was the best thing. He would just it. be indignant the whole time, like not supportive at all. It's like. I gotta go around this thing. Well, then f- go fuck it. I mean, I mean, then go fucking do it then. Yeah. Ah. Well, see, and the reason I, the, re- the almost the, the main reason I picked that was because I feel like Danny Aiello was a terrible choice too. So why not like just keep that <laughs> just going keep and pick, pick somebody random out of a phone book and yeah. Hey, you're an actor, right? Fucking Ricky Gervais. I know. Wow. <laughs> well, like him and, and like Tom Holland. If or uh, well, like I said, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be the in the reboot. So him and Levitt, like I, they, like oil and water. Like I just feel like that would be more of something to pay attention to dynamic-wise than the plot, because apparently nobody paid attention to the plot in the first one, including anyway. the actors. <laughs> including yeah, the actors. absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, that was my take on that. Uh, my serious for Tommy Five Tone is talk about name out of a phone book. Uh, I went deep fucking cut with this one. Uh oh. I wanted somebody that's vaguely Italian or or, or Italian in some regard. Oh, that you're no. like, okay, that's an Italian dude, but not like the clearly was in the Sopranos Italian level. Like where yeah. the, it's, it's a, an actor that can do kind of intense or kind of a shitty attitude kind of thing, but also very funny in the shitty attitude. Okay. So I went with an actor that I loved in both uh, Just Shoot Me and Galaxy Quest, Enrico Colantoni. He was the photographer in Just Shoot Me, the like balding dude. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also one of the aliens. Who are our last hope? Yes, yes. So uh, he's a a great actor, got very good comedic timing. Yeah. He also has the ability to play that kind of like grizzled, like just just gave up. I got you. Kind of tone. And I feel like. I I get the vaguely Italian part where you're going with that too. So yeah, that makes sense. He's not a fucking, he's not italian like in boondock saints 2 that we did the audit commentary where it's clearly just like wildly stereotypical yeah like racist <laughs> like, i'm just straight up racist we went to a vocal coach for this yeah, yeah. it's not had uh, no idea what just yelling pizza pie for no reason <laughs> it's a pizza pie. no it's not it's not that level of just like wildly stereotypical gotcha he's just vaguely he's just a, of italian heritage and that's vaguely of italian heritage. <laughs> yeah, just like i gotcha I so, okay, well, I'll tell you my serious choice then for Tommy okay. Five Tone. And this, you're going to, we'll see, we'll see how you react to this. 
um, along the same lines, vaguely, it could vaguely play Italian. Um, but because of how Tommy Five Tone died at the end, I felt like it would be an homage to the same thing because I feel like they would have to do that in the same storyline and, and still do the, it had airbags, Sean Bean. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I think he could pull that up. Plus, he's he's scruff enough and, and scraggly enough where if he was playing... Uh, I, I don't know that he's ever done anything that required any comedic timing, but I feel like he's kind of a funny dude. Like, because he, he's been able to, like, online stuff, he's been able to, to poke fun at himself for, like, sure. yeah, I'm the guy that dies and everything. I feel like he could he could probably pull that. If somebody was to actually give him the chance to yeah. be a little bit funny. With exactly. Like, kind of like Danny Aiello. I don't think Danny Aiello is inherently funny. No. Like, he just, he wasn't. He's, like you said, he's like the typical Italian guy. Like, hey, I'm over here uh, doing shit. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, my and shirt's that's, unbuttoned. That's uh, where the, buttons that's down, the funny, I got a chain on. That's the funny pull for him was yeah. that he's vaguely, or that he's the Italian guy. But I think if Sean Bean were to try and do it, I think it would be just funny to see that attempt. Like, you know what I mean? Well, there's a number, there's something that I've noticed in a lot of like really bad, like straight to video movies that I see also in Hudson Hawk is that instead of actually developing some, uh, like dimension to the characters, they just go with like vastly stereotypical character traits that they give to these characters. So yeah. you've got like the, the Italian guy, the unbuttoned shirt with the chain. And he's like, you know, what's, what's going on? And then you've got the like foolhardy, fun and fancy free thief guy that's really good at what he does but he doesn't give a shit yeah. like kind of well, whimsical guy what's and then, funny about that is the stuff that they've done in the past 20 years whether they want to admit it or not Hudson Hawk did it first I'm just saying they got a fucking <laughs> sexy nun exactly yeah Andy McDowell as like the nun that's like turned on by sinners she's like oh yeah I'm always drawn to sinners it's like <laughs> fuck this is like some weird like Catholic school fantasy thing going on with that character. What no, what I did not realize until this very moment. Holy crap, I can't believe I didn't notice this. 12 monkeys. They're both mm. in 12 monkeys. They are both in 12 monkeys. I didn't yeah. even put that together until just this minute because it's such a bad movie. Hudson Hawk is such a bad movie and 12 monkeys is such a good movie. I didn't even think they were the same actors together. <laughs> so here I thought that Bruce Willis and Andy McDowell were like doing the Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore thing. But actually, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore were doing the Bruce Willis and Andy <laughs> exactly, McDowell thing. Exactly. Exactly. All, right. All right. Good to know. Never even realized that. Holy shit. I almost did the same thing with Ryan Gosling and I almost cast Emma Stone. Right. Uh, because they've been in a couple movies together. You know. You know? And they uh, do have some pretty good chemistry, but I feel like that's just kind of a Hudson Hawk land. Yeah. No. <laughs> the mashup. No. <Nope. laughs> Denied. Vetoed. Oh, there's a lot of singing. There's, there's a, lot a lot of, of singing. A whole lot of singing. It's a lot more cat burglary. That is one thing with the Ryan Gosling one that I did want to kind of take note of the singing and do it more where it's almost La La Land musical where it's not actually musical, but there's some dancing. There's some like, as he's doing the thing, yeah. he's like a, a jazz dancer or something that went to crime. Yeah. He's very like... Using his skills as a jazz dancer. Yes, he is a jazz dancer. He's able to rob people blind. And so kind of do... Just jazz that. hands are very distracting. Instead of, you know, like loudly singing in the middle of stealing a Leonardo da Vinci art piece, <laughs> uh, it's him just like doing, I don't know, the fucking like shuffling off to Buffalo, like through the halls or something. Jesus. <laughs> that is a pull. Yeah. That's definitely what that is. Yeah. So... Um, All right. Well, now see if... If I abandon the sequel idea, 
Um, I wouldn't use any of that. But again, you wouldn't use a Danny Aiello character in the sequel version. But um, if I was going with a Tom Holland as the funny version and the uh, as his son, um, I would use like um, I would try and diversify the uh, cast a little bit more. Yeah. And I, for some reason, um, did you ever see uh, Everybody Hates Chris? Yeah. Um, Tyler James was it Wilm whatever his last name is who played the Chris Rock character. Oh, okay. He yeah, was the... on The Walking Dead too for a short stint. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. he would be in the in the funny version. He would be. Well, actually, he could do either the funny version or the serious. You know, it's version. bad that I didn't realize that was the same actor. Yeah, that he's okay. just grown up. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's. Um, but I feel like he he and Tom Holland could do like they would a be buddy. the buddies. Yeah, yeah they'd be I the like buddy that. version of that. I like that. Because um, originally I decided I was like, oh, Daniel, Donald Glover, but he's kind of getting older, and I don't know if that would play with Tom Holland as well. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that Tom Holland and him and Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, Fair yeah. Enough. But um, that that was my idea for if they were you know if we did the uh, sequel version, we needed the younger gotcha the younger kids. So, um. I will go to the next one though because I'm very excited. Well, I, I'll I'll wait till I get to that. But the um, if the reboot was to happen, the Annie McDowell character would be for the funny version for me would be Rose Byrne. Um, she, I do know that name. She plays um, the FBI agent in the X Men movies with Charles Xavier, like the younger. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, um, she's attractive. She's yes. kind of the the same. Um, she has some, she has some comedic time. She was in, uh, the Seth Rogen, uh, the one where the college kids like Zac Efron's the neighbor. Oh yeah. The she was, was the uh, wife. She's uh, a wife. Yeah. Uh, neighbors. Neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. So she has the comedic ability, um, like Annie McDowell had. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that was just my, but it has version. that very kind of like fun and she's worried at three miles over the speed limit she's gonna get a ticket exactly kind of yeah 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 her. like yeah. I, I feel like her and annie mcdowell cut from the same claw yeah so yeah yeah um, like, and mini driver in there a little bit too just, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 oh the mini driver was the one that like secretly said fuck like under her breath sometimes and yeah. thought she was getting away with something you know, she's the <laughs> bad bad girl of the group there you go there um so that was my that would be my funny take on on the annie mcdowell character and then my serious take would be emily blunt and again, okay. that's kind of a throwaway character, like literally Hudson Hawk and Annie Aiello. Well, I'm sorry. Hudson Hawk and the Mayflowers are really the main, yeah. like bombastic versions of those of those characters. Which, so these are kind of like, I, I just was like, you know, I probably I could see Emily Blunt doing that a little more serious, but still a little bit of humor because like her in Devil Wears Prada, she was sure. very serious, but it was funny because she yep. was ridiculously serious sure but so. it, it just nuanced enough too. just nuanced enough exactly yeah. so i could see her playing the annie mcdowell nun character that likes bad boys my uh my anna uh characters for the g shenasekar one uh it's kind of a no-brainer because she's like a secret agent for rome kind of thing it's like undercover for the for the then there's talking crosses it's fucking bizarre um somebody that also has done agent type stuff before is uh colby smolders who was in, uh, she's in the uh, Avengers movies. She was in How I Met Your Mother. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I think yeah, she played the one with Nick Fury. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. you. And I think that she's got the right balance of being able to be a hard ass when necessary, but also you could see her being somebody that like. Yeah, that's a good. Or the good, habit. Yeah, know, I could see that. That's a good pull. Uh, but also good comedic timing. As yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Uh, and then for my serious is actually the real actual c comedian stand-up com comic that I'm putting in the Shane Black role is uh, Natasha Leggero um, is a 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. been a bunch of stuff. She's uh, married to. Um, uh, yeah, they just did that Netflix special together. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. I forgot about the Netflix special, but I definitely check her out. She's gorgeous. She's uh, vaguely Italianish. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Uh, which, if you're a nun in Rome. That makes some sense. That would make sense. I that can would see make that. Some sense. She yeah. would. She's uh, honestly. I don't know that I wouldn't put her even more in the comedic version because because she's a comedian. That's. I thought that too. But yeah. But, but I could see that. Yeah. I mean, she. A lot of comedians can pull off the the uh, serious thing because I, just, I like everything's the idea an of act the anyway. nun being an, in the Shane Black version, kind of a little bit sharper edged, like a little bit meaner. Yeah. Than, than uh, Andy McDowell was because Andy McDowell was all smiles, being like, oh, like. I'm getting wet for this thief, uh, even though I'm, I'm married to Jesus. Yeah. It was kind of weird. It was. I could see her just being kind of like mad at Hudson Hawk, but that also kind of gets her off a little gets bit. Gets her too. turned on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm going to skip some of my characters because yeah, yeah, yeah. there were characters that didn't make any sense, like yeah. the George Kaplan character. Yeah, I got George Kaplan. Yeah. Too. Mine was a, it was a difference. It was a toss up for comedy versus serious between Clive Owen and Liam Neeson. But that's, and, I'm blowing over that. And mine is a pretty easy. Totally understand. Uh, for my funny Brian Cox, uh, yeah. who's worked with them before. Yeah. And, uh, and for my serious uh, Corbin Burnson. <laughs> okay. So. LA Law version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well. He's also worked with, uh, he was the bad guy in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black directed. So yeah, there's I got you. There, so. Another pull through. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to jump to the, some of my favorite characters because we talked about uh, Sandra Bernhardt already. Okay. But, and this across the board, no matter what version I did, sequel, if she's the daughter, if she's the replacement of Sandra Bernhardt, any of those things, it's always the same person. And that's Natasha Leone. Every time. I love her so much. Every single time. Absolutely. Yeah. I can see that. There's no, there, I literally could not, I, I racked my brain trying to think of who could pull off a Sandra Bernhardt impression, who could pull off a Sandra Bernhardt daughter. All of it across the board was always Natasha Leon. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I absolutely adore her ever since, uh, what is it? Slums of Beverly Hills. Yeah. I want to say it was my first introduction to her. And like, that was around this era of the original Hudson Hawk. Yeah. Well, and what, what really jumped at me for that is um, she has a new thing on Netflix called Russian, Russian Doll. Russian Doll. That's fantastic. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. It, it, it I, I almost, part of me almost feels like they could have just made it a movie. They didn't have to make it a series uh, uh, sure. of multiple things, but it was well enough done where it was like, I'll keep watching. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I can see where this is going. But, and then you didn't like there was, it, it was a little bit different. It wasn't as much groundhog day as I thought it was yep, going to be. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so that, that was my take for those. Okay. For uh, Minerva, um, for the funny, it's more the, I want to see with who I have cast for Darwin, this actress and just playing with that playing actor. Off of it. Cause it would be jarring and like, really big i mean really really big well, acting choices I'm very curious now <laughs> um and to the point where i mean because these two darwin and minerva were acting out of the fucking atmosphere oh level. jesus yeah it was like when he's so fucking when big. he's humping the air as the machine's going i'm like all i could think of was who in the hell their first appearance where they roll into the auction and right. he's like doing like like he's almost like goose stepping or something at one <laughs> point so bizarre. and then she like auctions against him for a dollar more and they're just like screaming and standing in front of the crowd and looking like they were clearly on fucking pcp like they they're it was in this, it was nuts in hudson hawk i guarantee that in craft services was giant just a giant scarface level pile of cocaine like that's <laughs> all they had for food for the entire shoot of this movie nice and these people were like did half of it 
Yeah. And so I wanted somebody to be that level of big. So I went with Leslie Jones of Saturday Night Live. Oh my God. Yeah. As uh, Minerva. I can see that. She's able to go like stratosphere big uh, with her casting. And then loud enough too. Yeah. Like she can be real loud. And but I, like funny loud, like yeah. not, yeah. And I wanted uh, a little bit more of an intimidating kind of tone to these characters on my serious with the Shane Black, where you actually are, you're like, oh, they could pull this they're off. They're frightening, because, yeah. Because Darwin and Minerva in Hudson Hawk, there's no way they're doing this. Yeah. Like, no one's taking them. Well, I mean, in, in campy world, yes, absolutely. They're, they're the, they're the super villain, like. The mustache twirling. Yeah, yeah they're the Dr. The, evil of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I went with somebody a little bit more intimidating that definitely could do the like, there's a lot of stuff happening upstairs kind of thing, but also could definitely play it kind of big as well um, in her time as being an evil queen in Game of Thrones, uh, Lena Headley hmm, okay. as uh, Minerva, which is definitely a slightly more muted uh, on the comedy performance. Level, yeah, but I think would be definitely the performance the humor would come from the cast going against them. They would be the straight man, basically. Yeah, kind of. Which pivot to it? Yeah, would change the dynamic of the movie a little bit, but yeah. I see what you're. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. if we're going serious, that would be yeah. yeah. And see, for me, that I think Natasha Leone could still do both. Like I, sure. her serious version plus her comedic. Like I would like nothing more than than that to just be the thing. Like yeah. I feel like she's Sandra Bernhardt reincarnated, even though Sandra <laughs> Bernhardt's not dead yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're probably around the same age. But you know. no, no, Sandra Bernhardt's old as shit. She's like. At least 60 now. But um, so for your Darwin. My Darwin. Okay. So uh, this was this was a little weird because um, I wasn't sure if I wanted um, somebody who played humorous normally and was just could could play off. But there's one actor that um, has been in movies where I I know he's supposed to be serious, but I I can never take him serious 100 percent. Um, be, just because of the way he delivers his lines and the way his face expressions are and everything. Um, but I think if, if he were to be put in a, in a funny role, um, he would still be fairly funny. And maybe I just haven't seen him in a funny role, but Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. Him in uh, La La Land. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Him and Ryan Gosling were in uh, Murder by Numbers. He was oh, the other half. Yeah, no. I, yeah. What happened? He was huge in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, he did it. In yeah, like early two thousand. That's the thing. And he he he's done some stuff here and there, but I think it's his look. I think it's just he's not. He he doesn't. He can't fit into the pretty boy thing. He's so got the like awkward. He's got the up awkward kid, kinda... kid thing. And once that, once he wasn't the awkward teenager kid age anymore, then he's just got to take over roles for Crispin Glover, basically. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a lot less, a lot less animal. Uh, interaction, <laughs> yeah. but I, I I thought Pitt would be able to play a really good Darwin because he's able to do over the top and he's got the weird look. Because let's be honest, the guy who played Darwin was not the most traditional looking dude. No, yeah, he he looked like one of the siblings from uh, that that fucks each other from uh, It's Always Sunny <laughs> in Philadelphia. Like he could be their father, <laughs> exactly. So I think Pitt would be a good would be a good pull for that. And depending on which director took it could make i think he could do that over the top well enough but still have a little bit of that like this guy's off anyway like even off screen like crispin glover like you know crispin glover's off in his daily life so when he always plays off people on you know his shows or his movies or whatever so i thought Pitt would be a good pull for that just because he's in the same age range and he's just he 
He needs the work. He needs the work. <laughs> um, and then for my more serious version, with like if Vaughn were to direct it, you can basically put this guy in anything anyway. And whether it's big, small, whatever, he can Idris pull it off. Elba. Nope. No. Ben Foster. Ben Foster. I think Ben Foster could pull off a really maniacal why, type. Why am I blanking on Ben Foster? Ben Fo- oh, uh, he played Mars in the other Bruce Willis oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but he can, pl- that's the thing. He's a chameleon. Like he, mm-hmm. he plays um, everything. Like he played a white supremacist in, uh, shit, I can't remember that movie now. But and he plays everything so well yeah. that he's just a great actor. And I think he can play maniacal and like you were saying, like everything's happening upstairs. You mm-hmm. don't really see it necessarily, but okay. you know something's working. I think he could pull that off really well. Okay. Uh, my funny, and this is primarily I picked these two because I just wanted to see them as like this couple that are trying to take over the world and just acting. With Leslie Jones. With mean? Leslie Jones. Acting like t- to the point of like nuclear annihilation. Lunatics. level of scenery chew- <laughs> Chewing um, is th- with Leslie Jones. One Will Forte as the other side of that <laughs> and just let them go. Wow. Like, wind them up and let them go and see what happens on film. I'm pretty sure that's what they did with Sandra Bernhardt and that <laughs> yeah. dude. So there's no way they didn't No, Exactly. There's, that's definitely not acting choices by the director. <laughs> like notes. I have notes. Bruce Willis was like, yeah, uh, if I'm going to write this movie, you've got to cast these two people. <laughs> yeah, Cause then I don't have to write for them. They just do it. Before yeah. Goldblum and Ragnarok. There, <laughs> there right. were these two. Right. Just doing whatever the hell they wanted to. So, I could see uh, that. Yeah. Will Forte, Forte and Leslie Jones as the Mayflowers just, just eating up every single, like it's pulling a lot of SNL characters here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> And then uh, for my serious, for a definitely more intimidating actor to play the Mayflower, uh, Darwin, the Mayflower in uh, the Shane Black role is uh, Guy Pierce. So Guy Pierce and Lena Headley as a power couple trying to... I could see that. Uh, trying to de- get the Archimedes death ray to take out satellites. Sold on the Archimedes death ray. <laughs> definitely sold on that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, I can see that. And the one one additional, and it, I don't have to go into it, but basically the uh, the gaggle of candy bar gang. Members, I had my, I had my own take on this, by the way. Uh, it's going to be the Broken Lizard guys. I mean, it makes the most sense to add, you know, Steve Lemmy and 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 crew. Chamisikar's doing it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get them to be the the muscle. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, they weren't all muscle. That one guy was Butterfinger was the only real muscle. Yeah. The rest of them were like, I mean, David Caruso didn't even have a speaking line. Yeah. He, which was great. Um, I love that I always liked you at the end. (laughs) So out of nowhere. Yeah. Just makes no goddamn sense. But yeah. So, um, so my idea for that was, uh, if it was a sequel, she has her own gaggle of henchmen, but they're named after different candy bars, but they're all actual normal people names too. So it was like Heath, Mars and Clark. Oh, Jesus Christ. Instead of like Butterfinger, Almond Joy or whatever the hell they were. An old old guy named Werther. (laughs) (laughs) Did not go that way, but I like it. I definitely like it. All right. So that was my take on that because, you know, but if you were to do the reboot, um, Kit Kat was a, was again, it was a throwaway. He was the, he was the David Caruso character. Yeah. And he didn't say anything. And I was trying to think of who could I see in the role, but not have them say anything. Um, And... Adrian Brody is the one who came up for okay. a lot of it just because his face is a lot of more expression than Caruso and he's lanky and weird. And, you know, cause the, the Kit Kat character was like, like a, a statue at one point and he was, all, yep. he was the sneaky one. So I thought that, that, that I think Adrian, Bro- Adrian Brody is 
lanky and gawky enough that he yeah. could make that really funny. Yeah, and the, yeah. and the fact that he um uh wouldn't have to say anything. That yeah, would be the best true. part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that was and actually the, I had that for both roles, but then uh, for the funny role, I actually thought about um Paul Dano. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I like Paul Dano a lot. Yeah, and he's he's got that goofy look too. Him and Adrian Brody both have like just weird facial features that. Paul Dano looks like he's probably moist all the time. <laughs> he usually is in his photos. So. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, between the two of them, like uh, the, to me, the both of those were interchangeable because they're not saying anything. There's uh, moist, no... but also needs chapstick like all the time. <laughs> Does anybody have any lotion? Yeah. <laughs> <I> need... <laughs> but yeah, so the no and I didn't I didn't go into too much of the other guys uh, like on the sequel I did. But yeah, uh, if you're doing the reboot, then those were throwaway characters. Yeah. Um, so you but, can have, but you could have cameos of like really good actors. Absolutely. You can even have it where they die like left did. and right and yeah. just pull in new candy bar. Yeah, exactly. Come in and take the What's place. What's your name? I'm uh, take I, five now. I, I don't got know. Fucking <laughs> payday. Uh, exactly. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Uh, now we normally do a mashup thing. The thing that I couldn't think of anything else besides like James Bond that they end up on the same case kind of thing. Yeah, I tried to. I was like. The only the only other thing I could think to do, and I didn't even write it down, um, but it, you got me thinking about it when we were talking earlier. You you had mentioned something about uh, pulling from another um, idea, and I was like, well, what what if Hudson Hawk was like stealing something, like, and it wouldn't even be a mashup; it would literally just be like almost like a nod to another movie, like ships passing in the night, exactly. Like okay. they're in the same they're in the same museum stealing shit, and they're just passing by Ooh, each other. You can even have it as like another Bruce Willis film, like Red, and you just reenact like a scene in the same building as a scene from Red, exactly. and so it just ends up being a, a period piece where it well, happens at the same moment. And, you know, like things like Back to the Future, where they um, they took a, a throwaway scene of somebody riding by on a bike and they wrote it into the script, like, oh, that's Doc later on. Yeah, they if they did that, like you could look back in Hudson Hawk or you could look back in uh, another movie that you're going to try and blend yeah. and just find somebody in the background and dress them up that way and just have the crossover. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? I love it. I just feel like that that it would be along the same lines of how that movie was like how Hudson Hawk was made. Where it's like if any totally tongue in cheek ever makes the decision to let me have any control over filmmaking in <laughs> any regard, the world has come to an end. <laughs> I'm going to work that into every single movie where there's going to be one scene where it's like clearly it's a, it, it's the normal scene for the normal script, but it's going to be dressed in such a way that it technically could be canon for another movie. That's not mine at all. Well, and honestly, now that I think about it too, they did it for 12 monkeys. Because yeah. remember, he sees himself running away in the, and he thinks it's somebody else. But at the, in oh, reality, right. it's really Bruce yep. Willis. Same thing. You just you literally are making like an MCU of just any goofy, yeah. goofy yeah, yeah. movie you've ever made. <laughs> All right. So on that note, uh, we're going to get into the trailers. Uh, that's the last thing we've got on our list of things to do this evening. So uh, let me get the music cued and then we'll get that going. Hudson Hawk is an ex-con with a new lease on life, finding his way back to bar the owner with a buddy when his past comes back to haunt him. This summer, follow Hudson Hawk as he goes to Rome to challenge his past, fight for his future, and kick ass in Rome. <laughs> Fighting against the Vatican, the CIA, and a maniacal couple hell-bent on world domination. Watch as Hudson tries to protect the world from the dangers of the mythical Archimedes death ray. This July 12th. <laughs> Ryan Gosling is Hudson Hawk. With his trusty sidekick Tommy Five's home played by Enrico 
call him Tony, the guy from just from from Hughes and Just Shoot Me. As he falls in love with a woman whose heart is already given to God, played by Natasha Leggero. And uh, he's fighting against Guy Pierce and Lena Headley, who are really scary. <laughs> Join us. This ain't your daddy's hawk. This is this is modern hawk. This is this is Hudson Hawk again. Reboot. <laughs> 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 Just saying the word reboot in it. It's it's reboot. It's a reboot. It's a reboot. I end up going into where it sounds like a movie or a TV show from like fucking Rick and Morty on the TV right, when they yeah. do the different episodes from yep. like interterrestrial television. That's funny. It ends up sounding just like one of those. So, uh, oh God, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you don't have a high bar to shoot for on, no, on this I, one. I never do. Yeah. That's, I never do on GUI. Yeah. yeah no, that's always. <laughs> Desperately low bar, and that's the way we like it. Exactly. We like to keep it. That's uh, that's where the humor comes from. Mediocre at best expectations yeah. are, are where we like it. Lowered expectation. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for uh, yours? I believe I'm ready. And uh, so I did my series. Are you doing? Uh, I'm going to do the my my pitch for the sequel, and it's the goofier sequel. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. So here we go. This summer. The greatest cat burglar you've never heard of has to save the life of the other greatest cat burglar you've never heard of. Hudson Hawk retired a lifetime ago, and now his son must pull off the greatest heist in history to save his life and the life of his family and make a new life of his own. Tom Holland is the new Hudson Hawk, with Natasha Lyonne as Nadia Mayflower, the daughter of Hudson Hawk's arch nemesis, the Mayflowers. This summer, strap in, hold on, the Hawk flies again. Strap in, I just hold was, on. I was making shit up at the end Is there. this like a fucking like, a weird backdoor sequel to Condor Man as hey, well? Man, Is that whatever. All right. It's like Hudson Hawk meets Condor Man. I would watch that movie meets all day. Birdman. Birdman. Mm, there we go. That'd be some fucked up shit. <laughs> um, that was fantastic. I don't think I'm even going to put anything besides maybe a touch of echo on your voice for the uh, for the post edits on that. I'm it, good. You've got a fantastic like movie announcer voice. Definitely have a face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't we all? <laughs> That's why we all got into podcasting. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to get on a more regular schedule. We've missed a, a week here and there as we're getting into our four-year anniversary for Geeks Under the Influence. Good grief. We're doing our eighth podcast on the network is recording a few days after we're recording this episode. So uh, Sunday, April 7th. So it should be a couple days after this episode releases that uh, you can come out to the dark room on uh, Broad Street. It's right in the, the Hofheimer building. You know it from the Hof Garden, uh, big rooftop bar. It's right near the corner of... Boulevard and Broad Street. They do an open mic there in the dark room. Yeah, sometimes. they do an open mic there. Uh, the yeah. dark room, it's Sweet B. It's the, the middle door uh, to the Hoff building. And it's going to be a great time. Beautiful room. Ab absolutely gorgeous setup. Great sound in there. And we're going to be uh, investigating, quote unquote, oh. uh, the world's most spirited headlines. Booze clues. Booze clues is um, what we're doing. I'm very so excited for that. It's going to be so much fun. So yeah. definitely come and check it out. It's free. So if you're 21 and up, you're not doing anything from... Uh, 
Doors are at 7. Show starts at 8. It's done by 9, 9.15. So it's not going to take up much of your night, and it's free, and it's going to be a hell of a good time. And you're going to get CS do dumbassery live. So <laughs> enjoy uh, uh, this silliness in person. Yeah, there you once. go. Yeah, absolutely. So that, we've got uh, GalaxyCon coming at the end of May, May 31st through June 2nd. We've got this show, Geeks Under the Influence, uh, Beautiful Disasters, and Geek Father all doing live recordings at GalaxyCon. So that's going to be a lot of fun as well. We've got some surprises up our sleeves for that. Very cool. And uh, and plenty more. We've got a whole lot planned for this summer. So definitely check out gypodcast.com. We're in the midst of getting all of the shows switched over there to, to their own streams. So they're not going to be piggybacking GUI anymore. Geeks Under the Influence podcast, GUI Precap, and GUI Nights are going to be on one stream still because they're kind of all of the same yeah. ilk. But Smack My Pitch Up, Beautiful Disasters, uh, Geek Father, uh, Smash Talk, Booze Clues, uh, they're all going to be on their own streams. So definitely keep an eye on GUIPodcast.com. All of our inner workings there are going to be kind of, we're going to be changing the format of the site a little bit to make it a little easier to get to your show that you want specifically. Uh, so bear with us over the next week as we get that all ironed out, but it should be in good shape in the next week or so. Cool. And uh, yeah, so check out our social media as well. And also hit us up on our hotline, 804-505-4GUI. It's 804-505-4484. Our email at geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com or any of our social media, you can message us. And let us know what you thought about this episode, the show in general, what you would like to see on a future Smack My Pitch Up, and uh, what you thought of our guests as well. We always like to know if they're complete jackasses we don't want back again, or if you had a blast and we should get them on more. So tell us all that any way that you can contact Geeks Under the Influence, and we'll see you here next time for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I'm Mike the Hobbit, and you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com <laughs>